This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Good afternoon. It's good to see you back today. Uh, before we get into our lesson, I, I want to take just a couple of moments to say a few things. Uh, firstly, I want to say and, and I want to speak on, on Jimmy's behalf as well. Uh, we're extremely glad to be here. Uh, it's a joy to be a part of these type of works. We're greatly encouraged uh, by not only your willingness to participate in this, but the vision of your eldership to, to perpetually make sure that, that the church has leadership. Uh, it's such a wonderful thing. It's a vision that a lot of congregations don't have. And as you saw this morning from listening to Brother Jimmy, that's a detriment to the church when we don't have that type of vision. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to be a part of that process. So if you haven't put your name on the sign-up sheet back there, uh, we want to strongly encourage, we want to plead with you to please put your name on there so that we can visit. It's not a test. Uh, we're not going to interrogate you. We, just, we know that you have some important information that will be helpful to this process. And the more information, the better the information, the better decisions can be made uh, at the end of the process or as we draw to maybe a, a transition in that process. So uh, I know that a lot of you have, are meeting us at the church and we're grateful for that. If you can't do that or you're more comfortable meeting in your home, just put your name, your, your uh, address down there and tell us you want to meet in your home or some other location and we'll accommodate you as best as we can. Um, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about the work of deacons, uh, their office and their work, and Lord willing, next Sunday, uh, we'll talk about the qualifications of a deacon. Uh, but I just want to go through for just a moment, because we're going to look at this in three different parts, uh, because I, I think that these three things really work together. Whether we're talking about deacons or whether we're talking about elders, these are three areas that we're really going to focus and concentrate on as we try to understand the work of these men, their office, and also their qualifications. So I want to do that in kind of a secular way for just a moment. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is let's take something we're very familiar with to help us understand what we're talking about when we talk about the office, the work, and the qualifications. So I want you to think about the office as a position. And that's what it is. It's a position of authority. It's a designation of authority or power as it was talked about this morning and the idea of ruling. And, and we're going to talk about that today as we talk about deacons as well. And, and when we look at a job, we understand that certain jobs require that position. They require that authority because it's helpful for them to perform the work. So let's use something very secular, a manager. So you may have a business and there's a manager and there's an assistant manager and there may be people under them like a customer service manager or something like that. And that manager has to have the correct authority in order to perform his function because let's face it if a manager didn't have the authority he may have all the qualifications he may have the education the experience required to do his job but unless you give him the authority to do his job he can't do it you know why because if he has no authority when the manager comes in and tries to manage someone you know what they're going to do no I'm not doing that I'll do what I want but they understand this person has a certain amount of authority and if they don't do what they're supposed to do, that that authority will come into play and there will be what's called accountability. And that's why there's such an importance in us understanding that the office is a position of authority. And that's true for elders 
and for deacons, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Oftentimes, as we go around to congregations, we may have conversations about leadership and about deacons, and one of the questions I get is, what is a deacon? What do deacons do? And I, 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 I find that kind of interesting. You know, the, the position of deacon is thousands of years old, but it seems to be a mystery. And, and we even joke about that. We say, well, elders eld and deacons deke. What do they really do? And I think there's these, that we kind of compartmentalize those offices and say, well, elders do spiritual work and deacons do physical work. Where does that say that in the Bible, that deacons only do physical work? Well, I don't know. But that's a way of us trying to understand these offices. So I don't want to take for granted that sometimes because of there's an overwhelming information about elders and somewhat small amount of information in regard to deacons that there is some confusion, some ambiguity about the office. But I hope that after this uh, lesson, and believe it or not, we're not going to talk that long, so you'll be shocked by that, but, uh, but it won't take long to really look at the office of a deacon and understand the office and work of a deacon. Uh, so first off, I want, just want to impress upon you that it is an office. And we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 where, Timothy, uh, where Paul rather writing to Timothy about his work says, For they that have used the office of a deacon. Now if you look at the New King James, it's translated a little bit differently. It says, For those who have served well as deacons. And so you might look at this and say, Well, why is one different from the other? So let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, let's just look at this because it's the same phrase in Greek. And it really comes from one word. It's the verb tense of the word deacon which is uh, diakoneia, and it means to be an attendant. Uh, hold on, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to give you a lesson in Strong's today, but I, but I do want to help us understand something about Strong's because I know a lot of us probably use a Strong's when we study. So I just want to give you a little bit of information about how Strong's works because so, we're going to do a little word study this afternoon. So I didn't know this. When I first started preaching, nobody said, here's how Strong works. They just gave me this big, giant, thick book, and I was looking through it, and I really didn't know what I was looking at. So... So when you're looking at a Strong's, these words that are italicized, those are the definitions. Not everything is a definition. Those are the definitions, the words that are italicized. That's true whether you have a paper Strong's, big thick book, or whether you're using electronic Strong's. They all look the same. This is the definitions, the italicized words. These are explanations of the definitions. So to be an attendant, that is, or explaining this further, to wait upon, that's a definition. And then he describes it in parentheses, menial or as a host, friend, or figuratively a teacher. So this is all an explanation of this. But these words that are italicized are just the definitions. Now, after that, there's a colon and a dash. And everything after that is not the definitions of the word, but how they're translated in the King James. Now, that's going to be important for us today. Because sometimes we get confused and think these are the definitions of the word. And that's not telling you what the definition is. It's just how they translated it into English. So when you see the office of a deacon down here, that's not the definition. It's how they translated it right here. The office of a deacon. So it doesn't mean that necessarily in its generic sense. The word that's translated, this is one Greek word translated, use the office of a deacon. It's that one right there. So why they translate it that way? Because they recognize that that's what the context is saying. So it just literally means to be an attendant. And that's the way it's used most of the time in Scripture. So this word is used 37 times in the King James, this Greek word. Very rarely is it translated deacon. So why? That's the question. 
because the Bible translators understood there were certain contextual instances in Scripture where it's not referring to a generic servant or a minister or administer, but it's referring to a deacon. Now, how do you know? That's the question. How do you know? Similarly, likewise, must the deacons be? Different word, very similar word. Instead of diakonia, this is the noun version, diakonos. What's it mean? Same thing. Attendant, a waiter. And then it says at tables or in other menial duties. So very uh, similar. And then it says specifically a Christian teacher and pastor, technically a deacon. Now, you might see that word right there and go, now wait a minute. A pastor is an elder. That's right. A pastor is an elder. So why is it in this definition? So I want to say something else about Strong's. Strong's is a recorder of law, not a maker of law. He's not a maker of law. He's giving you his opinion about how this word is used. He's not telling us the definition of how it's used in every instance. He's saying this is how people in Greece that spoke Greek or around the world that spoke Greek use that word. Now... Here's the magical question. Is the word diakonos ever used in scripture to refer to an elder or pastor? The answer is no, it's not. Does that mean it was never used that way in society? Most likely not. But it's not used that way in scripture. So don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. It's not used that way in Scripture. And the way that a Bible word is translated and used in Scripture is just as important as any Greek grammar rule. Because context is king. How a word is used in its context is king. And I'm giving you all this information because we're about to dive into some things. Uh, specifically about the work of deacons. So again, most of the time this word is translated as minister or servant. And a few times deacon. So how do you know when it's servant? How do you know there's actually an office of deacon if the word office wasn't actually in the Greek? Well... First off, let's recognize something. The reason they translated the office of a deacon because it was in conjunction with a list of qualifications. That's why. Do you have to be qualified to serve? Every Christian should be serving God. And listen, if you're not serving God, I want to encourage you to start serving God, whether you're a deacon or you're not a deacon. Everybody is supposed to serve in some capacity. You don't have to be the husband of one wife to be a servant of the church. But you do to be a deacon. You see, there's a difference in just being a servant of the church and being a deacon who is a servant of the church. Because deacon is not just a servant of the church. It's a qualified and authorized position of authority to specifically serve the church in a certain capacity. It's different from just serving the church or being a servant. We see this distinction made in Philippians 1 and 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Three different words used here. Saints, bishops, and deacons. Now, here's the thing. The bishops are saints, the deacons are saints. But not all the saints are bishops and deacons. He's making a distinction between the saints, the bishops, and the deacons. All the saints are servants, but some are qualified servants. Some are authorized servants. Some are designated to do a certain job in the church, and those are called deacons. Deacons, and it is an office. So I want to use Acts chapter 6. And I know there's some debate 
there, there are some disagreements about whether or not these men were actually deacons or they weren't deacons. And we can discuss that throughout the week if we need to. But, but I believe that they were. I believe they were the first deacons ever ordained into the church. And they had a specific function and purpose. And there's some things about this that I think will help us understand this idea of having an office and a work. And understanding what that office is toward. So we're going to go through Acts 6 and we're going we're to use this for most of our study this afternoon. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 it says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint among, against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now I want to stop right there and think about what's going on here. So in Jerusalem, there was a daily distribution of different things toward the widows. Okay, Why? Because the widows didn't have jobs, they didn't have husbands. They needed taking care of. And somebody was doing that, weren't they? Somebody's serving them. Somebody's distributing Somebody's doing this job. But you know what they weren't doing? An effective job. And so because they're not doing an effective job, somebody's complaining and they're saying, hey, we're being neglected. In other words, this isn't fair. And let's just understand something that was happening. There was some cultural racism in the church at that time between the Jews that looked at themselves as purebloods and those that were proselyted, the Hellenists. And so people are going, hey, look, this isn't happening the way it should be happening. Well, what did the apostles say? Well, they said, well, number one, we can't stop doing what we're doing to take care of that. They didn't say we don't think it's important. They didn't say we don't care about these widows. They just said we can't do that. We've already got a job. We're doing this job, and we need someone else to do this job. So here was the solution. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostle said, look, this is our job. This is what we need to be doing, and we're going to continue to do that because it's important. But this other job is also important, and it needs to be done. And so here's what you need to do. You look out among you. And you find men, not just men, but men who have a good reputation, are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. What did he say? Find qualified men. These are qualifications. He didn't just say, you guys find men. He said, no, you find men with these stipulations. Number one, they've got a good reputation. What's that mean, a good reputation? How do you have a good reputation? Well, there's some things inferred in that, right? You're, you're probably not a swindler, right? Swindlers don't have a good reputation. People that are calloused and mean and hot-tempered, they don't have a good reputation. There's a lot of things you can infer in this and a good reputation. These are people that are well-known and well-liked by the people. And he says they also need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And, and we can have a long discussion about what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit, but I believe it just simply means that these people are exhibiting a life of exemplary moral character They have the fruits of the Spirit in their life. I don't think it means people that are full of the Holy Spirit and and that they had all the gifts because that comes later. We see that later after they laid their hands on them. Then Stephen started doing miracles. But these are men 
and they're exemplary in their moral character. And he says, also, wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is when you have knowledge and understanding and it's coupled with experience and application. These are intelligent men. They're not young novices. They're not ignorant. They possess wisdom and they can make good discernments in life. Now why? Why go through all this? Because this work is important. That's why. This work is important. They don't just want to get anybody to do it. They've already had somebody doing this work, right? Now they're going to have somebody different doing that work. And so here's what they did. The saying pleased the whole multitude. So they're, they're at odds. They're divided over this. They're, some are crying that this, this is not fair. And so this saying pleased the whole multitude. We're going to have people to help us with this. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them. Let me ask you a question. Why did they set them before the apostles? They said, here's our guys. Here's our guys. And what the apostles do? They put their hands on them and they prayed. Now I recognize that they put their hands on them and they prayed. And after this we see Stephen being imparted with miraculous gifts. But was that the only reason they put their hands on them? They were showing the people. They were designating this authority to these men to take over this work and do this work. They were appointing them. And that's what they said that we were going to do. We're going to appoint these men. And there's three words that we want to look at here. Appoint, over, and business. And again, we're going to do some word study. And I hope it's not tedious. I hope it's helpful so that we understand the work and the office of deacons. They said we're going to appoint them over this business. Now, to help us understand what it means, appoint and over, we're going to look at a couple of other places where those same two words are used together. So that word over is the word epi. And, and I think Jimmy said y'all have been doing some study on elders, and you'll remember this word, episcopal. Episcopal, which is sometimes translated either bishop or overseer. And the word epi means over, a point over. But look at how that word is used, okay? Acts chapter 7 in the next chapter. Now this has nothing to do with deacons or elders. I just want you to look at the, the way these two words are used in conjunction, the words a point and over. Acts chapter 7 verse 10. Now, this is actually talking about Joseph. And it says, And delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, listen. And he made him, that's the word appoint, same Greek word that's translated appoint, made him governor over Egypt and all his house. So, what happened here? The king, someone who had great authority, appointed someone over something else. So someone with great authority gave authority, appointed authority to someone else to perform a function. That's how that word's used. That's how the word's being used. In fact, it's used that way again when it talks about Moses later in Acts chapter 7, 27. After Moses murdered the man and then he came, you remember the, what the neighbor said to him? He said, who made you a ruler and judge over us? What's the question? Now, same Greek words here. Made you is the word ordain or appoint. Same word in Titus 1.5 where he says, I left you in Crete to ordain elders. Ordain and made you is the same Greek word. 
made you a ruler and a judge over us. You know what they're asking? If you're going to come in here like you've got authority, then you do to explain what higher authority appointed you to do that. Where'd you get your authority, Moses? How are you going to come in here and be over us? Did someone give you that authority? You get the picture? Now here's the thing. Elders have authority, don't they? We learned about that this morning. Elders have authority. Do deacons have authority? Do they? Yes, they do. How do we know this? Because it's an office. And because that is exactly what we're reading about in Acts chapter 6. When we see this phrase, appointed over this business. Now let's talk about the word business. So business is only actually translated business one time out of the 49 times that this Greek word is used in the New Testament. Now if you look, the most common translation of this word kraya is need, needful, or needed. And it's 40 times out of 49 times. So why translate it business? Well, look at the word. Employment, an affair. So is business a bad translation? No, it's a very good translation of the word. But what I want you to notice is that inherent in the word kraya or kriya is need, necessity. This wasn't busy work. They weren't giving them busy work. They weren't giving them menial tasks. They were appointing them over something that was a necessary work of the kingdom. A necessary work. These men were not janitors. It's not what they were. There was a necessary... I'm not saying janitor work's not necessary, by the way. But sometimes I think that's what we think. Well, what are we going to do with the deacons? Well, let's just let them clean the building. Well, that's good if they want to clean the building or whatever. But that's not exactly what the work of a deacon is. So if you look at the idea of them being appointed over business, these deacons were appointed over affairs of the church that are necessary. And so the question arises, well, can't anyone be a servant of the church? Yeah, they sure can. Anybody can be. And again, if you're not, please start being a servant of the church. So if anybody can be a servant of the church, why do we need appointed servants? Why have appointed servants? So I want to go back for a moment to Acts chapter 6. And remember something. Somebody was already doing this work, right? But you know what they weren't doing? A good job. They weren't doing a good job. These men volunteered to be servants in this area. I don't, I don't know who appointed them, who decided that they would do it, but I'll tell you this, they weren't doing a good job. And so if you look at the difference between these groups, this was voluntary, there was no authority, there was no approval. Nobody looked out among them and found men with certain qualities or characteristics. These were just unqualified men. But these deacons were chosen by many and appointed by higher authority. They knew they'd do a good job. Because there were qualifications. They knew they'd do a good job. They were trustworthy men. They were doing the same job. But obviously these men were unqualified. You say, how do you know they were unqualified? I'll tell you why. Because they weren't doing a good job. That's how we know. They weren't doing a good job. The whole point of the qualifications is to ensure that they'll do a good job. And that they'll do their job. But these men were qualified. And they did a good job. You know why they needed them to do a good job? Because I'll tell you what the apostles didn't need. They didn't need to walk around micromanaging the people 
that were doing the daily ministration. They didn't have time for that. They had their own job to do. And I tell you, elders don't need to be walking around micromanaging their deacons. And sometimes I see this in congregations. They say, well, I don't know if we can trust our deacons. Then why are they deacons? Why are they deacons? There's a reason there's a list of qualifications. If our deacons are trustworthy men, if they've been qualified and they've been appointed, that means they can do their job. So we got to trust them to do their job. Why? So the elders can do their job. And there's so many congregations where the elders are doing deacon work, the deacons have no idea what they're supposed to do, and so they just end up waiting for orders. These men were appointed over a business. They entrusted to them to do this job. And then you know what they did? They left it alone. They let them do their job. But there's something else that we need to understand. And that is that responsibility does not come without something else. How many times... Have we heard someone say, we should start doing this? I've said that. I bet you said that. How many times have you, has someone volunteered to do whatever this thing is, but then it fell by the wayside? That happens to me too. And I don't want to judge anybody's intentions. I think everybody has good intentions where they say, we need to start doing this. And someone says, yeah, you should start doing that. And we go, I will do that. And then we don't do that. And then we go, oh, I forgot about that. Why does that happen? I'll tell you why. Because there's no accountability. You know, the truth is, if there's a team of people that are working together and there's someone been given this responsibility and there's accountability and someone says, hey, you know, we talked about doing this. Did you ever get that done? And you go, oh, I didn't get that done. No, the elders don't need to have to micromanage the deacons, but I'll tell you what they do have to have is accountability. You know, we're all accountable to each other. David, are you accountable to Garland? Are you accountable, are you accountable to him? And you're accountable to everybody, aren't you? I mean, there's accountability in this room. And I'll tell you, if the elders don't start doing their job, somebody, somebody's going to say something, aren't they? Who's to hold the deacons accountable? Well, see, there's an authority over them. And this is often, I think, the confusion that people have is they believe that because we say deacons have authority that that infers deacons have authority over the saints like the elders do. This is not a scriptural model. Nowhere in the Bible are you going to find the idea that deacons are over the saints in the same way that pastors, bishops, elders, same different terms for the same office there, pastors, bishops, and elders. They're over the flock. Deacons are not over the flock, but they do have authority. And the real scriptural model is this. Elders are over the deacons. They're over the deacons. They have authority over the deacons. And the deacons don't have authority over the saints. They have authority over a designated area of responsibility. That's where their authority lies. Not over the people. Not over the saints. But over whatever it is their job that they were appointed to do. And that's what we see in Acts 6. They were appointed over a business. A certain affair of the church. And they had the authority to do that job. And they functioned well. So, I want to ask you, are deacons janitors? They might be. And I don't want to knock that. We, we might look at that as, oh, that's, that's something we don't want to do. Somebody needs to do it. But I'll tell you, a deacon don't have to take the trash out. Jack can take the trash out, right? 
You don't have to have a qualified man to take a trash out, but I'll tell you what you do need. You need trustworthy men to make sure the trash gets taken out. Why? Because they're over that part. And maybe there's somebody over the building. Maybe that's their task because that's their talent, that's their skill. Maybe they're very good at detailed things. I'll tell you, we got a deacon like that at home, John McCall. And you guys know John McCall. And I'll tell you something about John McCall. If you tell John McCall he needs to get something done, it's getting done. It's getting done. Our build, we don't worry about our building. You know why? Because John McCall, he gets it done. And sometimes he goes and tells somebody, hey, I need to go do this. You come with me and help me. And I'll tell you, he takes those people with him. Sometimes it's my dad. Sometimes it's one of our other deacons. They get that job done. And you know what? The elders don't worry about whether or not the building gets taken care of because John McCall does his job because he's good at his job, and that's his skill. Maybe you've got a deacon that's very good with money. Utilize it. Put him over the money. Let him manage the money. Let him do that. It doesn't mean that you, the elders can't have anything to say about it. But we put these men over this business and they do their job. That's deacons. And you know what that does? It frees up the elders to pastor, to shepherd. And too many times the flock is not shepherd. Not because the elders don't want to shepherd or know how to shepherd. It's because they're too busy doing the deacons work. But when the deacons are doing what they're supposed to do, the elders can do what they're supposed to do and everything gets done. And that's the purpose of Acts 6. As they said, somebody needs to do this job so we can do our job. So we can do our job. And I want us all to understand something. The office of a deacon is not a lesser office in honor. It's not a dishonorable office. I think sometimes people go, I don't want to be a deacon, I want to be an elder. Well, first off, that's the wrong attitude. But looking at it that way and thinking that somehow a deacon, because it's a role of service, is not an honorable thing, is just the wrong way of thinking. Notice what he says. 1 Timothy 3.13 For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. Those are strong words. And I'll tell you, good deacons, good deacons, that's honorable. And the, honor, the, the Lord looks at that and says, that's honorable. When people will put themselves out there under that scrutiny, under that microscope and say, okay, look at my life because I'm going to be a servant and I'm going to do my job. I tell you, that's an honorable thing when someone volunteers to do that and they do a good job. God looks at that and says, you purchase to yourself a high degree of honor when you serve as a deacon well. Mark chapter 10 verse 42, but Jesus called them to him, we read this this morning, and saith unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise, exercise, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whoever will be great among you shall be your minister. That word minister, same word, servant. You know what's interesting about this? Most people think the highest honor that you can have is to be the boss. To be the one that tells everybody else what to do. And we learn that's not, that's not for the kingdom, right? Not even in the eldership. It's not for the kingdom, that, that type of mentality. But that's what we look at. Oh, if I'm in charge, that's the greatest honor. You know what Jesus said? That's how the world works. You want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant. That's great. That's honorable. So I, I don't want anybody to think, well, I don't want to be a deacon. That, that's, a, that's a role of service. That's right. It's a role of service that's honorable. 
and great. It's great. Whoever will be the chiefest, that's the top dog, will be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to ask you a question. As we start to wind down our thoughts today, what was the greatest act that Jesus ever performed? Was it the creation of the universe and the world? That's a pretty big act, isn't it? And he did that. Was it resurrecting Lazarus from the dead? Was it walking on water? Was it calming the winds? What was the greatest act he ever performed? Let's, let's, let's change the question a little bit. What was the act that Jesus performed that caused him to have the great honor that he has today? Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You, that's Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, listen closely to verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why was Jesus exalted? Because of what he gave. Because of what he served. How he served. It's honorable. Service leads to honor. And I tell you, if, if we think that the office is the thing we desire, probably not a good fit. If the position is what you want, just erase that out of your mind. The position is important to do the service. Because the service is the focus. And if you've got a guy that's just worried about the position, he's not going to be a good deacon. And he's not going to be a good an elder. The position is necessary, but it's not the point. It's not the focus. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Last verse of the afternoon. What happened when the apostles performed their function and the deacons performed their function? This is right after it talks about them ordaining these guys and appointing them. It says, then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'll tell you what happens when deacons do a good job. Souls are saved. That's what happens. Souls are saved. When the church is working as God designed it to do and men are performing their functions within the kingdom of God as elders and deacons the gospel spreads. That's the power of good, qualified servants of the church. And that's what happened there. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.